The following is a message by Dr. W. Robert Godfrey from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. Please turn with me in the Word of God to Psalm 36. Psalm 36, let us hear God's own Word. To the choir master of David, the servant of the Lord. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. O continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. So far the reading of God's word. As we begin a new semester of study of God's word, we study God's word for the church. And as we look at the church in our day, it seems to me one of the conclusions we must surely reach is that the church is needy, that the church is in the midst of a great variety of struggles, and that the great need, the the overarching need for the church is the Word of God, to know the Word of God, to be encouraged by the Word of God, to be directed by the Word of God. And I was uh, in preparation for this morning studying Psalm 36 and at the same time had uh, been sent a new revised copy of George Gillespie's notable work, uh, A Dispute Against the English Popish Ceremonies. Uh, A remarkable work um, which should be humbling to all of us as students because this work of really quite impressive and massive learning was written by George Gillespie when he was 24 years old. So there. (laughs) You should all feel inadequate, but those of us who are a little older feel even more inadequate. Uh, It appeared uh, at the very time in which King Charles I was increasing pressure on the Church of Scotland to conform to English Anglican ways and Presbyterian ire was rising. Gillespie's work was published anonymously and secretly in Leiden 
and smuggled into Scotland in 1637 and arrived to support the rising tide of Presbyterian anger in Scotland. Uh, Just months before the arrival of this work, um, Charles had insisted that the English prayer book be used in services in Scotland and precipitating that dramatic moment in Scottish church history when in July of 1637, the dean of St. Giles, John Knox's old church, rose in Edinburgh to begin to read from a prayer book. And it was at that moment that Jenny Geddes, the old woman, rose from her little three-legged stool and said, to translate it into modern English, you shall not lay that mass book on my old ear and through the stool at the dean, driving him from the pulpit. And when the new bishop tried to assert order in the church, he was shouted out of the pulpit with words, Pope, Pope, Antichrist. (laughs) Well, those were difficult days for the church. And it was in the next year, 1638, that the move to sign the National Covenant began that swept through Scotland, ultimately leading to civil war um, and the decapitation of King Charles. I won't comment whether he was rightly served for his sins. But Gillespie, in his treatise, begins by talking about what he calls the Church of God disquieted. And comments in the very first paragraph of his work, the Church of God is disquieted with dangerous alterations and doleful altercations. Lovely Celtic turn of phrase, it seems to me dangerous alterations of doctrine and practice and doleful altercations of internal fighting in the life of the church. And as we look around, how often that seems to be the case of what we face. Dangerous alterations and doleful altercations. And in the midst of that, we need the word of God to explain, to encourage, to direct us in understanding the world in which we live. And I think Psalm 36 is a psalm that Gillespie, if if he'd known we were going to be gathering here today, would have pointed us to. It's a very dramatic psalm. Uh, It's a psalm which changes mood dramatically, but particularly the the beginning is arresting. Um, It's slightly weakly translated, it seems to me, in in verse 1. Transgression speaks to the wicked. One could almost translate this, the oracle of rebellion to the heart of the wicked. This is like a revelation, but not from God. A revelation not of truth, but a revelation of sin, speaking to the heart of the wicked. And the sin is particularly the sin of rebellion. Against whom? Against the servant of God, David, and against his Lord. And and this is as if David is reflecting on what what is the very essence of the problems that we face. What is the essence of the rebellion that opposes us as the people of God. And you can see how he really quite powerfully develops this here. The the sin and the trouble of this world begins deep in the heart of man. And later he will picture this as uh, plotting. Verse 4, he plots trouble while on his bed. Uh, it, It is in the very heart of sinful fallen man that that wickedness is meditated on, is planned, is, is plotted and hatched. 
And once that internal commitment to rebellion against God and his ways bears fruit, then it bears fruit in the words of the mouth, verse 3. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. That certainly is, is part of what causes alterations and altercations in the life of the church. Lies, commitment to deceit. And then that plotting leads not only to words of the mouth, but also works of evil. It spills forth into those who are determined to walk in paths of unrighteousness. And when you see all the the depths of this sinfulness so vividly portrayed in the psalm, we can get very discouraged. And when we look at the church today, we can get very discouraged. And when we look at the world today, we can get very discouraged. And it can seem almost overwhelming at times. But David goes on to assure us that it is not the sinners who ultimately have control of this world. It is not the problems that dominate this world. But it is the Lord God. And here is this brief statement of of the power of our God as it's presented as our Savior in contrast to the machinations of the sinners. Verses 5 and 6. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heaven. Your Your faithfulness to the clouds, your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast, you save, O Lord. Against all of these plottings and actions that oppose God and his truth stands God in his essential character. And in his essential character, David tells us, he is full of steadfast love and faithfulness. This is what he is for his people. This is what he is for us. This is who he communicates himself to us to be. He is the God of steadfast love, of chesed, of covenant love for his people and of faithfulness to that love so that he will never abandon us, he will never forsake us, he will never fail to accomplish his purposes. And just as he is powerful in his love and faithfulness and care for us, his people, so he is powerful in the judgments he will bring upon the wicked. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Uh, Here is the power of God presented as that which will not permit the wicked to triumph, will not permit the plans of the wicked ultimately to be realized. Now David was certainly in his own life to know that uh, the judgments and righteousness of God at times seem slow in their revelation. And David would experience that being driven from his capital by his own son in a horrible rebellion. And it would certainly appear at times that the wicked would triumph. But here is the undergirding and underlying truth that God remains the one of righteousness and judgments who will accomplish his purpose. It's interesting that Gillespie, reflecting on the disquiet of the church of God, goes on to say immediately, of course, that is the sovereign will of God. He is confident that even in the midst of struggle and difficulty, God is supreme. 
And then he goes on in this psalm, David does, not Gillespie, uh, David goes on to celebrate how, how abundant is that blessing of the Lord for his people. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Here's the promise of God's protection for his people. Uh, God surrounds us with his care. Uh, God never forgets, never abandons, but is there to protect. And then, in these really remarkable verses, to provide for us in such abundance, a feast, they feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. What a picture that is. A a feast in which there are literally rivers flowing of delights to provide for God's people. We don't always see that. We don't always feel that. But that's the truth. That's the promise that should encourage us. That's what we, by faith, must always look to. We remember the words of Jesus, I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Here's here's the feast that Jesus has come to prepare for his people. And then verse 9, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. There is a fountain of life, eternal life, bubbling up from our God and his provision and his action out of his steadfast love. I suspect, some of the New Testament guys here may well correct me, But I I suspect that the Apostle John knew this psalm well and that this ninth verse may well have inspired part of his prologue. John, in John 1.4, as we know well, wrote in him, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. I think he's reflecting, meditating on this ninth verse of Psalm 36. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light do we see light. Uh, Jesus is the source, the ultimate source, of all of the life, of all of the light that is in our lives. And in his light we walk and see light. And as David has reflected then on how over against the plotting of the sinners is the provision of the Savior, then he goes on to, to pray as the servant of God. He introduces himself at the beginning of this psalm as the servant of the Lord. And perhaps Psalm 36 is arranged by the editor of the Psalter just after Psalm 35, because in Psalm 35, verse 27, we read, Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. God delights in the welfare of his servant David. He delights in the welfare of his servant Jesus. And he delights in the welfare of you as you are servants of God. And this servant gives himself to prayer. The psalm ends with David praying. O Lord, continue your steadfast love. You who have promised your love, you who have shown your love, Continue your love. One of the great principles of prayer is always pray for the things God promised. It's a great danger that we think, well, if God promised it, I don't need to pray for it. That's a big mistake. 
Always pray for the promises of God. So continue your steadfast love, O Lord. And continue your protection of me. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. All those actions that the wicked plotted on their bed. O Lord, protect me from them. You've promised to protect me. Do protect me. Continue to protect me. Continue your love. Continue your protection. And continue the judgment that you work in the earth. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. God works judgments in history, I believe. They are provisional judgments. They are not final judgment. They are not full judgments. But we do see in history judgments. King Charles I was begged by John Knox's daughter to allow her husband to come back to Scotland to die. He had been exiled as a minister to France because of his opposition to episcopacy. And King Charles said, well, of course he may come back to Scotland if he'll only accept the bishops. And Knox's daughter and the wife of this minister said, rather I should have you hand me his head than that he should compromise the truth of God. Charles got handed his head later. There are judgments in history. But we know that ultimately judgment belongs to the Lord and comes only at the end of history. When at last there'll be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells and all is made right. But until that great day, we have psalms that encourage us along the way, that help us see something of the character of wickedness, but much more wonderfully, much more vividly do we see the character of our God, who is powerful, who protects his own, and who provides abundantly for us so that we feed, at a, we drink at a river of delights. May we go through this semester filled with that faith and with that confidence. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you that your word is always so full of realism. This is not an easy world in which to live. There are great enemies of great causes. But above all the turmoil of this world, you stand supreme, great and majestic and powerful, that you stand supreme in steadfast love and faithfulness, as well as in righteousness and in judgment. And we pray, O Lord, that we might be found faithful servants through the work of Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our lives, and that as we feast upon him, we might also continue to serve him and make him known in this needy world. And so bless us, O Lord, in this semester, that we might be your servants for Jesus' sake. In his name we pray. Copyright 2012, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of production. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.